Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. All right, what now? Uh, Matt Ryan is an uh, Indianapolis Colt. Marcus Mariota is a, an Atlanta Falcon. Jameis Winston is an Orleans Saint. As of now, Sam Darnold is still a Carolina Panther, which really leaves only one place for Baker Mayfield, we, we think. Right? That, that becomes the question. You have Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo on the mend. Plus, keep in mind, it's not like uh, the Niners are going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo in division unless they think he absolutely stinks, and I don't think the, the Seahawks are going to trade for him. Baker Mayfield's kind of put himself in a corner where it's Seattle or nothing else. And what's interesting about this de- about the deals that are done, Jameis stays in New Orleans. Why? Because he's got sweat equity there. Marcus Mariota goes to, to goes to Atlanta. Why? Well, because Arthur Smith was with him when he was in Tennessee. It, it doesn't mean that they have the best working relationship, but they know each other. He knows his system, and it's a much easier transition, right? So if you if you then kind of go in back and look and you try and figure out, all right, here's what you have to understand about the Cleveland Browns and about Baker Mayfield. Who did he have his most success under? Byer, who did, who did Cleveland Brown, who did, who did uh, Baker Mayfield have by your estimation? I think everybody, who do you have his most, his most, the most amount of success he had as a starting quarterback was uh, under whose regime? Okay, I I would say the first year of Kevin Stefanski, um, and then uh, Freddie, uh, Hugh, yeah, Hugh Jackson, Freddie Kitchens, that sort of uh, regime in his rookie year. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. So so here would be, and again, tell me if you think this is far fetched, right? So Freddie Freddie Kitchens has to be the the way it works is this for the Seahawks, for example. They're trying to figure out, what do we do? You know, do we go and get Baker Mayfield? Who would know what Baker Mayfield's really like, right? Well, let's call the guys we know that worked with him. Now, obviously, Freddie Kitch is in New York. New York has two quarterbacks, right? Or they have Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones is their guy. So New York would be a possibility because Freddie Kitchens would is probably swears by Baker Mayfield. And then Hugh Jackson SC guy, I'm sure that's who Pete Carroll's calling, right? Sure. And and you you call Hugh up and you go, Hugh Baker Mayfield, go. I don't know. He's little. He's this. He's that. He's got this going on. Didn't so, shake my hand when I left the field or left the right. team. And sure, sure. All of all of that, all of those things that you did, created that's five years ago, four years ago, all of those things you did, like. You have to have a guy who stand will stand on the table. And go Baker Mayfield's our guy, and you, we'll know really quickly here. 
Well, no, really quickly. Otherwise, he goes to New York and he's the backup, you know, and Freddie Kitchen swears by him. Or somebody else along the way, maybe, I don't know, if Cliff brings him in as the backup to Kyler because of that system. I don't think that's crazy. But really, that, that's how it works with Seattle. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see if, in fact, and it could be a good situation for him because he actually has, he's Russell Wilson without the arm or the escapability, but he does like to run around back there and try and make plays. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I, the, the Baker Mayfield thing is he is incredibly widely discussed. He's an outstanding comedic actor in commercial form, but he's clearly not, an it quarterback where all these other teams that have had quarterback needs, none of them have reached out to the Browns, and it's not going to cost you a ton to get them from the Browns. As a matter of fact, the Browns will probably have to give you a draft pick in order for you to take that contract off their hands. Remember, they, they have his fifth-year uh, contract, which is guaranteed. That's a bunch of money. So what happens to Baker Mayfield? I kind of think we're down really to Giants as a backup or Seattle potentially as a starter. And if you're Seattle, do you sit there and go like, I don't know, is he that much different than Drew Locke? Like, not rave reviews at a, about Drew Locke in Denver, not rave reviews at Baker Mayfield, but Drew Locke only costs us a million and change. Baker Mayfield costs us twenty. This this doesn't feel like that hard a decision. Let alone coming off of off-season shoulder surgery. Is that important? Is your shoulder important playing quarterback? <laughs> that that and there was there were other injuries that doctors found when they. So it's not like Baker can show up, be traded tomorrow, and start, you know, throwing the football and getting ready for the offseason. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, it's going to be a while before he can do that. Yes. It's another, another, you know, turn in all of these events. The Giants situation is unique because of the Kitchens ang- uh, angle and connection. But also, if you're the Giants – and you have a decision to make on Daniel Jones this year on his fifth-year option, right? which you likely would probably decline at this point, that's then the question of, is it worth bringing in Baker Mayfield? Now you have two guys on a team where both of them could be gone after this year. If you decline the well, option... The, the, problem with bringing in, the problem with bringing in Baker is the same problem that Cleveland had in reaching out to Deshaun, the same thing that Atlanta had in reaching out to Deshaun, like... Uh, they're, they're, they're just temperamental. Guys, the quarterback's just temperamental. And, like, Daniel Jones is probably sitting there going, like, wait a second now. Like, we have a – we got a new regime. What are we doing here? I, I don't know. It's, it, it, you, you have, you have a, 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 a possibility of upsetting the entire apple cart. That, that would be my – that would be my, my fear if I was um, – Yeah. If I was reaching out to him. And I think that the Seahawks – immediately after the Russell Wilson trade where we're like, all right, let's rebuild mode. This is why we did it. And I think a part of also now what has happened, and it's not separation anxiety, there is this, you kind of fall back to your default. And Pete Carroll's always that compete guy. I don't know if Pete Carroll can tank. And I don't know if Pete Carroll wants to do the full rebuild when other people are now saying who won, Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson. Like when you're hearing that chatter, it's a very Brady Belichick sort of thing. 
And I think that on, on the surface, the Seahawks were like, all right, cool, Russell Wilson's here. And now you're starting to point out who won this trade. Oh, the Broncos fleece the Seahawks. I don't think that sits well with them. At least would sit well with Pete Carroll. And now it makes me wonder, do they do they do a deal because he wants to compete this season? Because he wants to show that, listen, it wasn't Russell Wilson's show. Even though it may be best for the organization for them to not compete this year. I think that's a you know, something that is is really may have you know the Seahawks torn, at least Pete Carroll torn, because he's always the compete, compete, compete guy. And now you go into a season where you kind of are tanking. I think that'd be tough to swallow. I I, I do too. I do too. I think it'd be tough to swallow. Especially with I, I the believe- chatter. Especially with the chatter about it's one thing if nobody says anything, but you know people are going to be looking at the Broncos and Seahawks in the standings. No question. No question. And and what's what's interesting about what's interesting about that what what inevitably happens is we'll only look at the first year or two and and go like, see, you had Russell Wilson and now you stink. But the truth is that like he gets they get no credit for the last ten years for the next couple of years yes. or the following five or six years only in this short window, right? The yeah. same thing with the same with the Patriots. They're like, well, the Patriots and like, dude, they won for 20 years. They had one year where they were in a cap hell and yeah, they weren't great last year, but they made the playoffs right? and they, they totally rebuilt their rot. Like we're kind of not being fair to teams, but our, our expectations are for you to compete every year for a Super Bowl. And that's just not, not realistic, not realistic in, 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 in any way. Yes, Ramos. Do you think four years is an adequate – obviously, this has gone off the rails for Baker Mayfield and Cleveland, but do you think four years is a good gauge? Like, do you – you as a as a person who follows football and knows and talks about it, are you on the same page as Cleveland? Like, yeah, we've seen four years of Baker and, and we're good. Let's move on to somebody else. Yes. Yes. And and I would say there's a portion of it that's not his fault, but what, what's the, – the sale of Baker Mayfield – you know how people say, like, tell me in two sentences what, what your store is, what your show is, what your story is, whatever. T- two sentences, right? Like, Baker Mayfield is the, the like, classic underdog who just makes plays and guys like, to, guys like to play with, right? Guys will fight for. Is that, Byer, is that a fair, uh, if, if you're to sell me on Baker Mayfield, like, that's, that's who he is. He's the, he's the rah-rah leader. He doesn't look like much, but, man, he finds a way to get guys to play yep. for him and play, play hard. Classic underdog story, I point right? to a report in the pre-draft process that said when Baker Mayfield got into the indoor facility, it lit up the entire place. Right, right. So what's happened in the last year, John? You've seen guys that are supposedly in his locker room on his side turn on him. The organization is like, meh. You've had enough kind of leaks in there about who he is and how he handles himself. He's not an underdog at at the number one overall pick, right? He hasn't necessarily been able to make plays. He's just not the playmaker that anyone would assume a number one overall pick was. And while I've always been somebody who's been told dudes at Oklahoma and early on in Cleveland loved him, would lay down on train tracks for him, doesn't feel like it's the case anymore. Whether he's made everything about Baker and that's his fault or just the fault of how things have turned, I'm not sure. But I would, if I said, you know, Baker Mayfield's a guy that everybody loves to play for, that's not factually accurate in 2022 like it was in 2018. So, yes, I do think that they, the writing was on the wall. Everyone knew, but they simply didn't say it at the end of the season because what's the, what's the win in doing that? 
What's to win? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Mm-mm. Um. So th- there's a, there's a lot of upsets this weekend in college basketball. Uh, the one that probably was the most surprising was Kentucky going down to St. Peter's, right? John Calipari makes $8 million a year. The entire St. Peter's athletic budget is $7.5 million. Just like, this is crazy. And uh, Shaheen Holloway is the head coach, and he's I'm, I'm guessing he's going to get the Seton Hall job. Kevin Willard just left Seton Hall for Maryland. Shaheen was a star at Seton Hall. He played high school basketball in the state of Jersey as well. Like I'm, he'll probably get that job the second St. Peter's season is over. But the the one that that was really interesting to me, and we do have a tendency to lose sight of, is they're just kids, right? They're just they're just kids, and uh, some of them are more kids than others. I've been, as the guys will tell you, I've been way more in on Auburn than just about anybody. Some of it is I have a good relationship with Bruce Pearl and Stephen Pearl. They're dear friends of mine. I have other friends around the program who really like this group. And honestly, watching them, calling a couple of their games in person and watching Jabari Smith and how, as a you know 18-year-old kid, he carries himself, potential number one overall pick, love him. But they did, they did not play well. And it was a one-point game at the half, and they lose by 18. And I thought there was a play in the first half which changed kind of everything. Did you guys, did you guys see the dunk that um, uh, Isaiah Wong had on Jabari Smith? Like it was absolutely filthy. And uh, you know, look, Jabari Smith is six foot nine, six foot ten. He's going to be a top three pick, maybe, maybe even the number one pick in the draft. But it was 31-27. Isaiah Wong drives in and dunks on Jabari Smith. And I look to to I think the longer you go in basketball life, you're gonna realize everybody gets dunked on. Everybody gets their pocket picked, everybody has a bad turnover, but it's gonna miss a shot. Probably gonna shoot an air ball. Like it it does happen. But when you're Jabari Smith and you're eighteen and you're playing against what are, in com- by comparison, grown men, right? Miami has three or four starters that are 24 years old. You got grown men. That's going to happen. Isaiah Wong's only a, uh, he's a third-year sophomore. But I, I felt like that game, like, changed when he got dunked on. It was almost like his soul left his body and, like, all of a sudden, Superman's kryptonite was shown. Do not check out the Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. Because you'd be like, I thought Doug Gottlieb was supposed to be an expert. And I would say, no, it does not appear to be an expert. Dan Dockich is an expert. Um, he has his own radio show in Indy. He has his uh, digital streaming show on, at OutKick. He's been a college basketball analyst. He's been a head coach. He's been a player. He's simply done it all. And he joins us 
on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Most surprising thing of the weekend was what? Oh, man. Uh, no question in my mind, St. Peter's. Like, I, I talked to Shaheen Holloway today, and he certainly wasn't surprised, Doug. But when you look going into the tournament, and, you, you know, okay, I didn't think Kentucky was playing very well, but still, it's still Kentucky. I mean, what somebody say? One of the dudes, Ty Ty Washington, makes more money in NAL money than St. Peter's has in budget or something. But to me, uh, that's the biggest surprise, man. And then to back it up against when I, when I was watching them, Doug, I thought physically Murray State was superior, but they just backed it up, man. A lot of times, you know, you get a win, you can't back it up. We saw it with Richmond. They got pounded after beating Iowa. But I'll take St. Peter's. I will. I thought. I, I hope it keeps going. Although I, I am rooting for Purdue, it helps my local show. But hard not to root for those guys, Doug. Oh, I I agree. And they're they were they're, they're fun to watch. Um, okay, so uh, help me out. What obviously you've covered the Big Ten, played coach in the Big Ten. I I, I hate the con- a team loses conference sucks. Like that's like okay. yeah yeah. I mean uh, okay, but. The Big Ten did have nine teams, and there's only two still standing, and one was Michigan, who kind of got in by the skin of their chinny-chin-chin. What, what, what do you think has to be adjusted for the league, in your mind, in order for them to, to, to have postseason success? I think you've got to get more athletic. Like, I'm watching Arizona last night, I'm like, my God. Like, you know, dudes are dunking with their ear, and then I'm watching even TCU. Uh, and I'm like, whoa, look at these guys. I, I think the Big Ten has always been kind of the same. You know, every team maybe has a good guard. you got some big guy you throw it into. Um, but I think you got a man, dudes can ball. Like, there's only one Jaden Ivey maybe in the Big Ten, and I'm sitting there watching Arizona going, shoot, they might have two Jaden Ivies on that freaking team. You know, I, I just I think the Big Ten um, constantly gets overrated because they do they do well in, in non-conference. It's such a well-coached league. Their teams are ready to play early in the season. As the season goes on, everybody wants to whine about them beating up on each other. Hell, Doug, you know this. Every league beats up on each other. We're no different in the Big Ten beating up on each other and the MAC beating up on each other. I just think you got to get more athletic. And it hit me two games, Doug, it hit me with. One, when I'm watching that Gonzaga freaking Memphis game, I, I, you know, I, I didn't have a dog in the fight. But I wasn't leaving it. That was a heavyweight battle, too, guy. I mean, it was freaking ridiculous. And then I watched Samson's team, who I didn't – I did one of their games. I thought they were good. But I watched how they got into people and got after you. And then I'm watching Arizona, and I'm like, how athletic. And I'm watching these Big Ten teams, and I'm like, eh. You know, uh, I bought into Iowa. I buy into Purdue because of Ivy. And certainly now because of the draw. But I think they just got to get more athletic on the wings, man. Yep, I would I would tend to agree with you. Um, officiating has obviously been widely discussed. Sometimes too much, sometimes not enough, depending on. Uh, let Let's start with the. Let's start with last night. So for people who weren't up late, TCU had the ball, tie game, and Mike Miles is their best player. Comes off a ball screen with like I don't know five seconds to go, and he gets double teamed. Tries to dribble out of it, dribbles back the other way. Looked like he got cut off. And so the way in which the play went down, if it's not a foul, it's a backcourt violation. It looked like a foul, but wasn't called. And the, the clock actually stopped for a split second. Arizona picks up the ball, nearly dunks it at the buzzer instead of just laying it in. They end up winning in overtime. What was your assessment of that play? 
I wish. Here's, here's my. I agree with you totally. Should have either been backcourt or it's got to be a foul. One of the two, and I don't know how you don't make one of the two. But I would like to have seen this. What was it? Was it on T TNT? Was it uh, whatever, yes. whatever? Whatever it was on. Man, I would like to see a little more replay of the of, of the foul. What? Yes. Was it a foul? Because at first I thought it was definitely a foul. Then I saw a quick replay. And I'm like, ah, maybe not. Maybe he kept his feet moving. They bumped. And then I'm thinking it's over and back. But I, I don't – at this point in this tournament, Doug, and, and I don't expect any of the announcers to know nothing during the game. Like, I, they, you know, I don't, I don't expect, you know, Brendan Hayward or anything to know a damn thing about what is actual. And, and I, that's my level right now. But I would have liked to have seen it been able to see it for myself. Like, what, what, what just happened here? And we didn't see enough. I thought it was a foul. I thought based on the game, it was called it was a foul. I think, uh, frankly, uh, if it was a foul, that's one of the biggest screw jobs ever because TCU, the way the game was called, if that, way, had, that had been called a foul. I might have gotten thrown out for the rest of my adult life had that happened to me. And I, I applaud Jamie Dixon for getting his team back in business. Uh, coaching hire that, that strikes you as most likelihood for success. I'll give you the one most likely not for success. Okay. Uh, I'll give that to you. Kevin Willard going to Maryland, that's a brutal job, man. Those folks don't mess around, and you need a guy. I always said this. Uh, at Indiana, when we hired Mike Woodson, he was like, all right, we got a guy who the fan base is a little bit in awe of because of his playing, right? And a little bit, yeah, he's been a coach in the Knicks. Uh, when they hired Cal Perry at Kentucky, the fan base, a little different than Billy Gillespie, right? Billy Gillespie, they felt, was lucky to have the job. Cal Perry, we're lucky to have Cal Perry. And I think the same thing with Kevin Willard. Those people are brutal in Maryland, man. They're brutal. They expected Patino. They expected, I don't know. you know. Uh, but I think Kevin Willard doesn't understand. I uh, hope he does well. I like Kevin, and I like the, I like the school. I really like doing games there. I don't think he knows what he's in for. A uh, guy I would say is ready for success because of uh, how he operates. I'll say Chris Jans at Mississippi State. I think uh, Chris was at Bowling Green, had a little problem there off the court. Yep. Got that thing straightened out. Goes to New Mexico State, does what he does. He's a terrific coach. He understands the JUCOs. He understands the modern world of college hoops. I think they made a good hire. They're a really good hire at Mississippi State. Dan Dockich is our guest here, Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Will Calipari get back to the level of consistent Ooh. dominance he previously was able to to have? I'll tell you why. I've always said, and I will always say, and people can argue with me, or they can't, but I've always said Bob Knight's the best basketball coach I ever saw because he won with guys like me. He won with Ted Kitchell, Randy Whitman. I mean, he didn't have to have John Wall. Uh, you know, and when he did have those teams, he won national championships. He just didn't want to recruit and ran guys off. Uh, I look at Cal Perry the same way I look at uh, Shashevsky. They got to have great players to be uber uber good. And I don't know because it's opened up, right? I mean, there was a while, as you well know, you know, Cal was the only so in town for the NBA for the one and done for all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, wait a second here, there's other options. And wait a second here, guys are hiring assistants that have ties to different people. When I watch them play, I got to tell you, man, I, I I thought they were very pedestrian. I thought, you know, you can tell me Ty Ty Washington's a great player. That's great. But if he were somewhere else, I don't know if anybody would be talking about a great player. I, 
I watched them play against Tennessee, and I literally thought, well, this is disappointing. They don't look any different physically. They don't look any different set up. They don't look any better set up. And then, of course, you watch them against St. Peter's, and, I mean, what the hell? That's St. Peter's. So, I don't know. I mean, I, the one thing I've always thought about Cal is he can really coach ball, and I'll still say that. But, man, what do you got to have? You got to have John Wall, Boogie Cousins, you know, Terrence Jones. You got to have everybody. They didn't, win, mean, they didn't win with John Wall and Boogie Cousins. And Eric Bledsoe. True. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how many guys you need, right? <laughs> so, my answer is, in fact, I put this out, and I didn't put this out to be a smart aleck. I kind of put it out. I don't know. Is, is Kentucky still the nationally relevant program that everybody thinks it is? I know Kentucky fans lose their mind when you say that. They get insecure and nuts. But I don't think there's anything interesting about them. I don't think, you know, usually usually you can name ten guys on that team and blah, 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 blah. I'm about three years in. I'm, I don't see anything interesting in them. And I like Cal a lot. Well, I, I think what's the, the landscape changing for the most part has probably hurt Cal the worst. Right, which is, Agreed. you know, now you have overtime elites going to take a couple, G League Ignite's going to take a couple. There's going to be, you know, three or four that go off and whether they hire their dad or hire their brother or whatever, right. go off and do their own thing. And then you're fighting with Duke and Carolina, and then the, the SEC is just NIL checkbook or whatever. So I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see a guy who has feasted on getting the best of the best, and this team wasn't young. Right, like he have Ty right. was young, but Oscar Shibway is not young. Shavir Wheeler started at Georgia, like he's not young, and the kid from um, from Davidson's a fifth year kid. Like they were, they were an older team, and he still got beat. One of the things I think it's underestimated when you go to Kentucky. Everybody talks about how great it is to play there, and it is if you're doing well. Now, if you're not doing well. Oh, man. Like, I can't imagine that kid Wheeler's last week or last three or four days has been very good. I mean, it, it, it just, it's just, it's passionate. It's crazy. It's, a, it's the biggest combination of college passion, statewide crazy, and professionalism, professional thought, meaning we're here to win. I don't, hey, look, you graduate players, God bless you. You uh, raise money for, God bless you. But we're here to win. And I, I'm fascinated by it because, let's be honest, all of a sudden John Shire doesn't seem to be doing so bad, at least early, picking up some recruits. Hubert Davis, a lot of people are going to, you know, hey, wait a second, he's doing pretty well. To your point, uh, you know, you saw Holgram go out, Holgram, uh, go out to Gonzaga. You know Bruce Pearl is going to get after it in that league. That league is, is crazy with in terms of getting players. So, yeah, I'm fascinated by it. And, and I've always said this about Kentucky, and I'll say the same thing about Kansas. One of the most amazing things about those two programs is how successful they have been with so few kids from their own state. I mean, I'm t- you know, Illinois, you can walk outside. Indiana, usually you can find, you know, four, you're not finding great players year after year after year at Kentucky. You're not finding great players year after year after year after Kansas. It's amazed me when you really look at the landscape how great those programs have been without in-state kids. No, it's it's you have to be national recruiting, and now you have to be bounce back recruiting, and just find ways to be uh, to to be super super inventive. Um, okay, so if the best team you saw this weekend is who? I'm going to say Gonzaga. I think because I'm telling you, Doug. 
that was hey, I, I was critical of Penny Hardaway, but screw that. That dude had his team balling with athletes and defending. And you know what? Gonzaga played bad, right? And then all of a sudden, no, no, no. Uh, we're not going to lose this one. And Memphis said, no, no, no. I, I'm telling you, I thought – I felt bad for Memphis because, one of the, you know, people say, well, it's matchups in the tournament. I'm thinking to myself, you know what? If they played anybody else, they would have won and been into the Sweet 16. And I mean anybody else. I will say this. I thought for about for, for about 30 minutes maybe, North Carolina might have been the best team in the country, man. They, they look great. And then all of a sudden Brady Maddock does his thing and the whole game. That's the game. That, Doug, if I may just for one second, I'm watching that game and I'm thinking, man, people can talk NIL. You can talk transfer portal. You can talk anything you want. But those two teams, the heart that both North Carolina and Baylor showed, you've been in this. You're up 20 freaking five with 10 whatever to go. Next thing you know, the defending champs go crazy on you. You screw it up. Now you're in overtime, and you're sitting on the bench with guys that are fouled out, and all of a sudden you come back from that and win? That's some heart. So people get, you know, I think sometimes we do a bad job. College basketball does a bad job of promoting the great stuff that happens as opposed to, well, NIL and everybody should get money and blah, 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 blah. Man, that North Carolina for 25, 30 minutes, man, they were as good as any. But Gonzaga to me, I, I couldn't stop watching that game, uh, uh, Doug. I, I, I couldn't stop. Yeah, no, it was um... – it was it was as good a watch as as your. It was just enjoyable to watch two teams getting after it, making shots, yeah. competing. Like it was, it it was fun. Yeah. And I'm with you on the on the Baylor thing. Like I, I thought the what what happens is when you say when a, when a kid, you know the the big kid kind of went rogue a little bit. I mean he's obviously just playing as hard as he can play, but it starts getting kind of scrappy and whatever. I, I think you know the common fan thinks that somehow you're talking about the if you you mention a bad call or a series of bad calls that it's somehow defaming towards your team for playing hard it's not it's got to kind of I do think there's two things that happened I I thought that uh, Jabari Smith getting dunked on changed Auburn and like I'm not a big getting dunked on guy matters at all but I think for that team it was uh, mm-hmm. that was Miami going like we ain't scared of you dudes like you're just you're just dudes and then I thought that Brad Davison getting called for a couple of those flopping calls, uh, you know, it completely rattled him. They were already a mess missing shots, but I felt like the officials, officials were like, we're, we're done with that. They, they, you know, he, he got mm-hmm. him to call a couple his way, but I do feel like that changed Wisconsin for the worse. All right, let me go Jabari Smith. I think, Doug, I got dunked on so hard by Sabonis' dad, Arvita Sabonis, in 1982. Two in in November, they were number. We were number one in the country. They were the best team in the world. They came to Assembly Hall and beat us by a thousand. I tried to take a dunk on Sabonis's dad. He dunked on me so hard that NBC, up until five years ago, would play it part of their sports package. It's a true story. Uh, so I understand getting dunked on, but in modern basketball now, a kid like Jabari Smith, absolutely, he thinks about that. Of course, it's just different. I didn't give two craps about it. I just said, okay, get up and go down the court. But now, yes, it's a massive deal. And I think both of what you're saying, you're absolutely right. I thought Jabari Smith was different after that. You know, guys don't like to be embarrassed, right? That's what they always say about kids. You know, they don't want to be embarrassed. Hell, in my day, your day, I expected every time I put on Indiana uniform, I expected Coach Knight to embarrass me or a player or whatever. So I think you're absolutely right. And the Davidson thing – if if he's not able 
to influence your brain, meaning if he's not able to get, you know, you worrying about him or you trying to out-physical him, then he's just okay. I mean, he's had a great career, and I actually love the kid. I've gotten to know him. But he couldn't do that, and you're exactly right. The official said, no, we ain't doing this. Uh, we're not. No, 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 no. We've seen this act, and it, and I think you're absolutely right. Now, does it, is that the reason they lost? Come on. I mean, you know, Johnny Davis got to make some shots. You know, that kind of thing. Somebody else got to step up, particularly at home in Milwaukee. But I, I totally agree both ways. I don't think – I would bet – well, never, uh, not one person other than Barkley and Kenny Smith on that set are, are doing the game right now would understand what you're saying. But I totally understand it. You're absolutely right. All right. Double D, thanks for joining me. I'll hop on yours anytime. Appreciate you being our guest. You're the best, brother. Thanks. He's the one and only Dan Dockich now on OutKick. Check out the latest lines in World of Sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President in Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, or Pennsylvania. Play gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Wait to hear what Dan Patrick had to say about Deshaun Watson. That's next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb show rolls on Fox Sports Radio every day at this time. We like to get you caught up on a previous radio show or TV show. We call it. What does the Fox say? What does the Fox say is brought to you by Hustler Turf. The brand lawn care professionals have trusted for years when it comes to premium zero turn lawnmowers to run their business. And for us weekend shows, Hustler Turf also has a full lineup of residential mowers. Visit HustlerTurf.com to find a dealer near you. That's HustlerTurf.com. This is Dan Patrick of the Dan Patrick Show. Talking about the Browns trading for Deshaun Watson. The Cleveland Browns put out statements. They did their background work, their due diligence. They did everything except for the one thing. That's where I throw the BS flag on them. You don't even reach out to the attorney who's representing these 22 women, Tony Busby. I at least want to know, like, is is there going to be another bombshell? Is there anything here? Granted, you know, no criminal charges, but even some of these salacious details that could come out in a civil lawsuit, I would want to know, what am I looking at? I got a great quarterback. I paid a lot for him. I gave up a lot for him. I don't want anything else to come out. Browns fall all over themselves. Like, they want a grown-up. I just, you know, you hear that. Granted, Baker Mayfield's immature. He's been immature. Your adult that you're bringing in, because you're looking for an adult at that position, reportedly, is Deshaun Watson. Yeah, look, I'm 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 with Dan up until this point. There there is a bit of a disconnect. I have a a very good friend who's a very good lawyer, and what he has said from the legal perspective. First, you can you know I I've heard in several different sports stories. Well, they never reached out to the victim. You know what you can't do if you're an investigator uh, for a third party trying to get a background. You you can't reach out to the other to the alleged victim that's seen as tampering it's the same thing with the lawyer I, I understand what Dan's saying but Tony Busby is not going to share intimate details nor can he it's 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 one attorney attorney client privilege and two if you if you reach out to Tony Busby it can be seen as tampering you know and and trying to if it can be taken as, and you've seen this actually in in some ways where somebody reaches out and tries to get a story and whether it's the victim or alleged victim or the attorney says, well, they're trying to sway our client into dropping the charges. Again, 
if, if you make contact with somebody, that can completely be perceived differently than just, hey, we're just doing our background due diligence. Are you? Or are you trying to talk us out of, of suing? So I think there's more to it than just the they should do their. Do I think it's a risky move? Incredibly. But I'm guessing that you, the way I'm not guessing, I have a pretty good sense that the way it works is you have to go through the NFL. The NFL tells you what they know. You talk to his agent and you do the best you can with what you have. Here's Colin Cowherd talking about Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Did anybody think it was crazy on his Instagram po- uh, post? He thanked the Packers organization. He thanked the city of Green Bay, and he never thanked Aaron Rodgers personally. I mean, he thanked teammates and stuff, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you thank your guy? I mean, if I left Fox, wouldn't I thank Joy personally? I mean, we do the show together. I mean, I could say thanks to the Fox family, but I'd be like, and especially to Joy, because, you know, we're sharing a microphone here. I saw, okay, Colin Cynical. Okay, I'll, I'll get off that, because he did thank teammates. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports at Better Sportsbook. Better versus the trusted name online sports betting. You must be 21. Must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh, I think Colin's definitely onto something. I think he's definitely onto something. I mean, I, it, it, it feels fairly obvious, right? Do I think Aaron Rodgers sacrificed Devontae Adams to get his own deal? Not necessarily. But how he wanted to go down and how Devontae perceives it going down can be two very, very different things. What's up, the fuck? Say? All right, ne- coming up next hour, we'll get into that. We'll get into the, 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 the real risk in the Deshaun Watson trade and what I think really went down with Green Bay. That's next to the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio.